I remember sending the bride down the aisle and like I got these butterflies and this excitement and I got chills and I knew that was where I was supposed to be. You're listening to the You Might Be a Badass podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Todd, an average everyday girl with a nine to five job and a passion for storytelling. This podcast takes you behind the scenes in discovering truly inspiring personal success stories from all kinds of individuals and how they paved their way into becoming their own version of a badass. I speak with entrepreneurs, nine to fivers, stay-at-home moms, athletes, and everyone in between. My goal is to discover the different depths in which we define what it means to be successful. Success means something different to every person, and ultimately, if you're pursuing your passions and living life to the fullest, you too just might be a badass. My first ever interview dives into the ever so daunting world of wedding and event planning. As someone who was a planner in my nine to five job, the idea of planning a huge event for myself and actually executing it flawlessly is incredibly intimidating. And I'm sure a lot of you can relate, but that's why people like Chabeli Sanchez exist. Chabeli, in my opinion, is like a guardian angel. She takes the truly hard work and gets it done while settling for nothing short of perfection. Everything from picking the date and venue to the guest list, color coordination and photo booths. Oh, and also taking on cancellations and replanning during a global pandemic. No biggie. Chabelli started her business, PS and Associates, right out of college with nothing but a passion for putting together her own family gatherings. Fast forward to today, and she and her team are managing 30 plus events per year, just with a mighty team of five or six people. I am so excited to speak with her today, especially because we grew up in the same hometown and met well over a decade ago in a little cafe where her sister and I worked in high school. And she also happens to be planning my best friend's wedding, so I will get to see all of that magic come to life in person. Also worth mentioning, this episode was recorded back in June, so some of our COVID-related topics are even slightly out of date now, yet somehow still relevant. Okay, let's go ahead and get started. I've never known a love so steady. Alrighty. Hey everyone, welcome to the You Might Be a Badass podcast. I'm so excited today to have a new-ish friend, uh, Chabeli Sanchez, join me. Welcome, Chabeli. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much. I'm I'm really excited to have you join me. It's no secret that this is my first podcast recording. Um, So really excited to have you join me. Cool. I'm excited to be the first. So you and I met probably at least a a decade or so ago, which is really crazy to think about. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And and the way that I knew you at the time was a friend's older sister. And now you've re-entered my life through a very important wedding that's coming up as the planner for my best friend's wedding. Um, And I, I can't wait for that, it gives us all a little something uh, to look forward to in light of all the craziness that's happening right now. Totally, totally. Yeah. A little excitement to look forward to while we are living that quarantine life, right? Now. <laughs> yeah. 
it's a lifestyle truly (laughs) it really is it really is how how did you find yourself in the event planning business what what made you get started and tell us a little bit about that story Yeah. So I obviously met you years ago at a restaurant that my little sister and both you worked and I worked at as well. So the hospitality industry has been very big for me. I've been in it for years. Um, I started when I was 15 years old uh, working at that restaurant. Uh, And I put in another 15 years into the restaurant business. I was in college. I was graduating from Cal State LA. I was a major in uh, majoring in communications with an emphasis in public relations. As I was getting near graduation, I gave myself six months to figure out what I really wanted to do within the PR and communications sector. As I dove into the real life PR world, not the college life, <laughs> I started figuring out that it wasn't for me. I always dreamed about being on the red carpet and working with celebrities and press. And it just wasn't, I, I didn't find any enjoyment in it at all. Um, and so college PR and real life PR are two totally different things. And I think that's across the board in every industry. So my uh, half-sister and I at the time were kind of throwing a lot of like birthday parties and social gatherings for our own family because we have a very diverse and large extended family. Um, And finding new ways to gather was something that we found joy in. And it came, I think we were at a birthday party and someone was like, you guys are really good at this and your parties are so cute and they're so fun and creative. Why don't you guys do this for a living? And I was nearing my, you know, end of my quote unquote six months of trying to get my stuff together. And we were like, yeah, let's do it. And we went and got a business license, I think like a week after that, and then kind of took off. And then it was like, okay, we have a business license. What are we really going to do? We're event planners, right? And so we started trying to figure out the, the niche we'd go into. And medical conventions seemed kind of intriguing to us. And her stepfather, my sister's half sister's stepfather. It's really crazy. I won't get into it. It's like a whole <laughs> podcast for just that. Um, <laughs> <part two. laughs> yeah, it's like legit insane. But anyway, her stepfather is in the medical field and it seemed just right for us to do it. Um, it seemed intriguing. And so we started diving into that and it wasn't our thing at all. And so then a cousin of ours owns a rental company and he was like, Hey, how about a wedding? And we were like, I don't know about that. That's, that's, that's a whole nother ball game. And we ended up taking it and it was like the hardest wedding of my life. Um, I remember like the wedding ended at 1130 and we didn't stop cleaning after till two or three in the morning. Like, and nowadays that doesn't happen, but it was so long and so hard. But I remember sending the bride down the aisle and like, I got these butterflies and this excitement and I got chills and I knew that was where I was supposed to be. Um, And so weddings just took off for us. And now they're primarily our business. I think we're pretty much an 85% wedding business. And then the rest is corporate and social. So it really is our thing and our niche. And I just knew that that was, that's where I was supposed to be. Wow. That's really crazy to have this, emotional response to 
what you're doing and not yeah. necessarily have it be something that you always planned for or, or knew that you always wanted to do. It just kind of found its way naturally. And I, and that's really awesome. I don't think a lot of people have the opportunity to experience that. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy to think I always knew I wanted to be kind of like the boss, quote unquote. I always mm-hmm. knew I wanted to work for myself. I didn't want to answer to anyone else. I wanted free reign to do what I wanted to do. Didn't know what it was going to be. But the second I found it, it was like, it was fate. It just, it worked out the way it was supposed to. And it is kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful how that, how that happens. Um, yeah. So in, in getting started, do you feel like, there were any crazy setbacks that made you kind of question your decision? Um, and if so, how did you feel like you were able to to bounce back from it or, or just keep pushing forward? Yeah. So, you know, after we started the business, my half-sister and I worked together maybe about a year, maybe a year and a half together. And I was still actually working at the restaurant during the first two years of the business because, you know, mama's got to make money too. And starting (laughs) a business takes a lot and you don't make a lot in the beginning. So I was still waiting tables in the side station, you know, answering client emails while I'm refilling an iced tea. So, you know, there was that. And at that point, about year and a half, almost two year mark, my sister and I, we parted ways. It just, it wasn't her path and it wasn't her journey. And it was clearly mine. Um, And so I think at that point, that was one of the hardest hurdles that we as a company and me had to go through because I had to basically take a company that we had been pouring our heart and soul and building and then recreate it as just me. And that was a really tough thing to do because when we started it, it was a mesh of both of our personalities and styles. And now it was just me. And I was also in my early 20s still finding myself and finding who I am and what my true personality is and and was because it's obviously changed, you know, as we've progressed and I've gotten way older. But, um, you know... That was a hard thing to do. Take a company, mold it as two people, now stop and then restart it as one. And so branding it now as my own and my own little baby was a huge hurdle. Now, it did question my like, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Because like, this is really hard. (laughs) Um, And it, it was tough. But I think once I got into the groove of things, I was cool and I was... I was, you know, on the right path of making PS what it is today and more so an extension of myself. Yeah, yeah, that's so important is to find that kind of own personality and story to tell within your company and your brand. And I feel like that definitely evolved over time. Um, totally. And kind of to your point, it, it I'm sure has never been or it didn't start out where it is now. Um, correct me if yeah. I'm wrong. But, no, 100%. Um, <laughs> yeah, tell, tell me a little bit how you found that story and and that authenticity and in, in what your branding is now. Yeah, so I struggled in the beginning and I think it's completely natural and normal. And I think it was good that I did because I, I didn't know 
you know, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to be. And when you're looking at the wedding industry as a whole, like each planner has their own style and vibe and colors. And then you look at like Pinterest and you're just like, what in the world? Like, it's just so much information that it just sends you into a tizzy. And I just, I didn't know. And I I didn't know like, you know, what kind of font I want to use and like what kind of colors and what is my overall style and what do I want to gravitate towards? And so I, I had a lot of time of just trying to figure out what I liked. And in doing so, I found a lot of what I don't like. And so finding what I didn't like helped me build what it is today. I also kind of, you know, in the beginning toyed with trying to be something that I wasn't. And it took me a while to figure that out. And like, you know, a typical wedding planner, when you think of it, it's like all pinks and bows and like super pretty and, and just like style, style, style. And that's not who I am. I'm not an overly girly person. I'm not dripping in pink. I'm not in sequins. Like that's, it's not me. And so I had to kind of come to terms with the fact that I need to show people who I am in order to attract clientele that understands me, that we connect and can do business together. And once I did that and stayed true to my authentic self, the rest was easy. Wow. I'm a, I'm a little bit taken aback by that because it, it just feels so difficult at first when you're you know, you're doing the research and you're looking into other brands and feel like, oh, you know, that's so appealing to look at or it all just flows. And you don't really think about all the work and the, uh, you know, personal uh, commitment that it takes in order to make that a a true and authentic story, but also, um, you know, cohesive. It's right. major stepping stone and making sure that you are kind of sticking to that, that true branding and and that, that identity that you have for yourself. So I, I love hearing that trueness in the fact that you recognize that other people are kind of pushing out, not necessarily an agenda, but uh, what they think the wedding world should look like. And you kind of took it and said, well, no, I don't really care if I look like the rest of the people this is, this is me, this is my brand. And if you want to work with me, great. If not, best of luck to you. Um, yeah. But it, it really has to be kind of that, that meshing of, of two people. It's almost like you're dating, right? Totally, totally, <laughs> you have, right? You have to date a person before you work with them. Yeah, it's like, okay, so I haven't been on a dating app in a very long time, but <laughs> I don't know which one it is, whatever the swipe left, swipe right, whatever. It's like that for the wedding industry too, you know, like not every florist is going to be your florist, not every DJ is going to be your DJ. So we're kind of swiping whatever left, right to make that, that match, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you ever, uh, this is kind of an, a weird question, but it's okay. I like, I like weird questions. Curiosity kills the cat. Um, yeah. have you ever been in a situation where you've met somebody and you didn't really feel like it meshed? You didn't feel like you were their person? Totally. Totally. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think that if you would have asked me this question 10 years ago, I'd be like, no, of course not. Like, (laughs) no, because in the beginning, all you want is like to build business, build, 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 take, 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 whatever it is. And it took me a few years to understand these like little red flags when I do a consult or just a talk over the phone of things that stick out to me that I know will not eventually work throughout the planning process. Um, And so it kind of ties into learning how to say no as a business owner. And it's the hardest thing you'll ever learn is no. And I'm still learning because I still cave. But learning no and learning your own voice and and being able to stand on your own two feet and say, oh, I'm so sorry, but uh, unfortunately, we're not a perfect match. Learning how to do that took a lot of time. And so there just are some, you know, clients and situations that are not a great fit for us. And that is okay. It's okay. It doesn't mean that I, you know, um, am a bad business owner or I didn't succeed at making that sale. It just meant that their journey is not in line with mine and they will find another planner that is a perfect fit for them. And that is okay. Hmm. I like that. That is okay. Yeah, totally. So let's talk about owning your own business for a second. Um, I think a lot of people idolize the idea of being your own boss much Mm -hmm. like you know growing up you knew that you wanted to be your own boss um but now having being in that position and sitting in that chair uh what do you what do you now be what are you now able to look back on and say like here are some of the misconceptions of being an entrepreneur I think the biggest misconception is that I'm able to do what I want when I want. And part of that is true. Part of it is true because I do make my own schedule and I can carve out, you know, a Friday where I want to go somewhere and do something or I can carve out a weekend or a week or whatever. And that is true. But what a lot of people don't realize is that when a person that's a nine to fiver comes home at five o'clock from work, they're able to actually stop working and enjoy the rest of their evening. Mine never gets to that point. I've never had a like shut off completely. I'll see you tomorrow at nine o'clock because the business is fueled by my drive and motivation and how much I put into it. It never stops. You know, like checking my emails is not something that, oh yeah, I won't check them for a week because I'm on vacation. No, I sit there and I look and make sure that there is nothing happening that needs my immediate attention. It, it doesn't stop. So like on a weekend, yes, I may carve out a few hours to do something, but I may have started at the computer at 5 a.m. and worked till noon just to get my, my quote unquote Saturday. So there is a lot of work. And there is a lot of mental stress that kind of goes into building and being your own boss. It's not all pretty and and easy and vacation mode, you know? Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's an an important note to hammer home is 
yes, it has perks, obviously, to your point, but it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean that you can quite literally do whatever you want. A hundred percent. And I think another thing is when you go to like to, to register for a business and get a business license, the person at the, the clerk or the registrar's office does not hand you a, a like a toolkit or a um, guide on how to do it. Like they just hand you their license. Good riddance. Have fun being PS and associates event planning. You've got to come home and be like, whoa. So like now I got this piece of paper. How am I going to do this? There's no handbook for owning a business. You've got to learn how to do it. And there's multiple facets of owning a business. It's not just me doing weddings. It's me doing bookkeeping, accounting, um, taxes, um, you know, contracts and legal. There's so much more to it than just me being a wedding planner. Yeah, you're wearing so many different hats. Totally. Do you feel like you ever have to set boundaries with either your employees or your actually probably more more prevalent your clients? Yes, and I learned that a little not too late, but like I learned it later on and I I do try to stick to boundaries now. Um I try I try to stick to not really emailing after 5:30 or 6 p.m. Um, I now use like Google, um, schedule send. So uh, even if I'm working late at night, my client will not get that email late at night. They'll get it at 8am the next day. And it's really important for me to set boundaries because I'm not like a plumber that you can call at midnight on a Saturday, you know, like we don't make enough money to do that. (laughs) Those are like special hourly rates. You know what I mean? And so setting those boundaries sets realistic expectations for yourself, but also for your client to understand like, whoa, she gets a weekend too. Or like it's 12 in the morning. I don't think she's checking her emails, you know? Um, It also goes into me not taking meetings typically after 630 at night because you know, if a client's worked until seven o'clock at night, I'm not going to come over at eight o'clock and do a meeting till 10 o'clock at night. That's not fair to me. Um, and so setting those boundaries is very important for me. Completely. I think a lot of people kind of forget that certain industries that, you know, they pay a fee for, right. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. paying you to help me plan my wedding not me actually, (laughs) Uh, uh, but one day. Um, But I think, I think people kind of forget that since they're paying for a service, they feel as though, you know, you're, you're theirs. They, they can use you at all hours. They can use you for whatever they want with, with forgetting the fact that you're a person and a human being who should enjoy all of the same benefits of, life that we do. You should have an evening to yourself. You should be able to unplug and be able to watch a movie at night or have a glass of wine or whatever it is. And while behind the scenes, you know that you're working 24 seven, there Mm -hmm. does need to be that, that cutoff point where nobody is expecting it of you. That is your prerogative to do that. Correct. Yeah. And I, you know, when you're first starting, I feel like you just want to please, 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 please. Mm -hmm. And you're 
over-pleasing and setting yourself up for no boundaries at all and allowing a client to kind of fully take over. And that's where the stickiness and the awkward conversations happen, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, let's pivot back to some of the, the branding pieces again. Um, yeah. Let's talk about some social media platforms and marketing a business. Um, are, are there any platforms that you heavily rely on? Are there any that you've pivoted away from? And any, any kind of rules that you try to adhere to in order to make sure that everything feels, um, again, kind of bringing back that authenticity and, um, and cohesivity to your yeah. platform? Yeah. So, you know, in the beginning, I put a lot of money into marketing and I wasn't getting anything out of it. Now, this is solely specific on my industry and the weddings and events industry, because I do feel like spending money in marketing in other industries is actually lucrative. Um, But in terms of mine, it wasn't really bringing me revenue. And so I pivoted that and I you know, Instagram became super popular. And so I think Instagram now is probably like our primary and what we, we put a lot of emphasis into, um, just because there's tag words and you're able to do so much. I then, you know, link that up to my Facebook for the Facebook page of PS and associates. I don't do anything personal. My personal is my own personal, Um, and so I link that up. I do some more kind of posting on top of that on Facebook, but I don't heavily rely on it as, as I did, uh, before. Um, and then we also do a lot of work on Pinterest. Pinterest drives a lot of traffic for our niche. Um, that's what people are looking at for style and just inspiration in general, Um, So there's been a lot of times where a new client will sit down with us and they'll show us like three inspiration photos. And I'm like, oh, that's all my work, you know, and it's kind of surreal. Um, In terms, though, of like rules that I have, I really try to stay to my authentic self and how I post and that posting you know, in Instagram, I stay true to like myself and like my own personality in the captions. So if you read a lot of our captions, it's like you're talking to me. Um, And I am like that also in email, by the way, which is maybe also like bad and good too. But I feel like I have like a conversational type of strategy. And in Instagram, I do have this like weird rule kind of thing. And it's maybe just me. But if you look at our grid, you'll see that every row, every three posts are all from either the same event um, or the same kind of look. They're usually the same event. I have this like weird thing of like wanting my grid to look symmetrical. It's my OCD coming through. Um, And even that goes into like, if you see a picture of me on there, it might be from that exact wedding that that photographer took. So stylistically, I try to stay very symmetrical. It's just something that I started doing and now I can't let go. Um, But yeah, those are kind of, I think Instagram is very big for us and showing our work because I am very service-based. I don't have like a product to show a client and say, this is why, this is me as a wedding planner. There's nothing. So I can show my work. Yeah. I actually did notice that on your Instagram of the 
you know, the three tile. It's oh yeah. So, it's so pleasing to the eye. I have to say. Ooh, cool. And maybe that's my own inner OCD where I just like the organization of it. Yeah. Uh, but I definitely noticed that when, when I was uh, first coming across your page, uh, it's very pleasing. <laughs> oh, cool. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think it just, I don't know. It just looks so much better. Sometimes I look at people's um, like business page and I'm like, whoa, it's too much. There's like, I can't, there's no cohesiveness to it, yeah. but yeah. that just may work for someone else, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so let's get into a little bit of your team and kind of leadership. First of all, how many people do you have on your team? So I, uh, including me right now, it's five. Um, and then we have a couple like alternating people as well. So can be up to like six or seven at any given time. Okay. And how do you, I'm sure that that has also evolved. How yeah. did you find that kind of perfect structure that works for you? So I did a lot of like the intern situations and it, that just did not work for me. Um, I am very like, not, I guess, yeah, uh, demanding is a word. Yep. That's it. <laughs> I'll own you know, it. It's you know fine. You know yeah, I know what I want. want. Yeah. And like, I give a very, very, I think, great customer service day of and throughout the planning process. And so my girls and my team have to be the same way. And so I'm very picky at that. What I realized was that coming from the hospitality world and the restaurant world, the best team members came from the restaurants and hospitality. Um, and so pretty much every single person on my team has either waited a table or worked in a clothing store or retail. They understand customer service. They understand difficult customers and they understand what it takes to get the job done. Um, and so that was a big part of forming my team. It took a while. When I first started, it was just me and like an assistant. And now when I walk onto a wedding or event, it's me and four or five other girls. Um, so it's like a well-oiled machine. We're in operation. Um, when I first started, I would start at 8 a.m. in the morning with the bride and I would be the last one out after catering and rentals. Like we're the last ones to leave. And I realized like that is such a long day. It could be two or three or four in the morning. And I was physically exhausted. And so now what we've created are kind of shifts. And that when we started creating these shifts, like the whole dynamic of the team just shifted for the like greater. It was just, it was so much better. And everyone was so much happier. And like, you're not as tired. Your feet still hurt because we don't sit down. But it just worked. And it was wonderful. To your point about the hospitality industry, that's such a interesting thing to discover while you yourself are in that industry and you're servicing customers, you know what it takes to make sure that the job gets done. So that's such a smart way to, to go about it. Um, I do want to get into some nuts and bolts of yeah. uh, wedding and event planning. So first of all, if somebody is planning a wedding, for instance, why should somebody think about hiring a wedding planner? 
Yeah, that's a great question. And when we get a lot, a lot from parents too, because parents are like old school and they're like, why do we, why do we need this? We can do this. We can do this ourselves. And you can, you can, don't get me wrong. You can plan your own wedding. Can you execute it day of without breaking a sweat? Mm, I highly doubt it. Um, so what a wedding planner brings to the table is peace of mind, number one, value like no other. It's an investment in your budget and it's an investment in your sanity, you know, as a client and, and now in a 2020 world, and let's talk pre-COVID, right? Just in mm-hmm. general, planning a wedding has shifted. It is not the 25, 30 year old way of walking into a country club or a banquet room or a hotel and saying, yep, I want that color. Those linens are fine. I'll take that cake and sure, make me flowers like that. It's not that anymore. It is so heavily styled and creative and more so building from the ground up than walking into an already pre-made situation. And so because the, the design and the options are so endless, you need a lot of guidance to do that. Um, you know, you need help in understanding what vendors you need to execute that vision. And then a planner also brings to the table years of experience of how to get there within your budget. You know, I know how to take a budget, let's say, of $80,000 and get the most out of that $80,000, where the average Joe may go and spend $25,000 out the gate on just the venue. And that doesn't even come with food, rentals, or anything else. And then you're kind of in a situation, well, now I have to feed 150 people. How am I going to do that? Now I got a bid for 50,000 in catering and now I'm already at 75,000, you know, where I can come to it and, and really just kind of spread all that money across the board accordingly and bring you discounts upon discounts too. You know, it's like I've worked with vendors in the industry for years who bring us really great deals because we see them so many times a year and I'm able to extend that directly to a client. So just the knowledge, the peace of mind, the navigating the tough waters with families and and proper etiquette. I mean, you know, when you're planning a wedding and let's say the bride's parents are paying for it, that's traditional quote unquote, which doesn't really exist anymore, but let's say you know, those parents of the bride may have a lot of opinions and they not they may not be aligned with the, what the bride wants. And then you throw in a fiance and it's like, oh my God, how do I please everyone? Mom and dad are paying for it, but like she doesn't like my boho rustic look. She wants us to be in a ballroom, you know? So it's like navigating all of that crazy town is what we do. We're also therapists, you know? So it's a lot we bring to the table. Yes. Keeping sanity, I think, is probably a huge piece of it. Um, totally. I I myself am a planner in my job, but also mm-hmm. in my daily life. And I feel like when it comes to something that is, you know, a little bit more high pressure, I would probably crack in my own in my own plans. So I would definitely need somebody to kind of hold my hand through it and make sure that everything is seamless as, as you do so graciously. Oh, well, thank you. Um, so 
planning a successful event. I'm hoping that there's some sort of, I don't know, must haves, if you will, on where to start. Is there yeah. a little bit of a, a checklist on what you must do, must have in order to, in order to plan a wedding or, a, or an event? Yeah. So the way to kind of think about it is start real big and then work yourself to real small. So when I say real big, you want to start off one with picking three dates, not just one. I know some people are dead set on one date and that's great, but add two more to, to have in the mix just in case things don't work out. Then you need a guest list and figure out how many people you're going to have at your event. Then from there, you need a budget. And so a budget's really big because you need to know if you're spending $5,000 or $150,000. That's going to kind of change the game dramatically on where you go to next. And then you need to figure out where you're hosting your event, your venue, quote unquote. From there, you start working down and you kind of think of it as like an upside down triangle, right? You started with the dates, you worked your guest list, your budget, now you have a venue, now we're getting more specific. We're going into catering and then we're going into a photo and videographer. And then you keep kind of going down, right? Rentals, photo booth. Don't ever start planning an event with the most, you know, minuscule, not minuscule, but smallest, smallest detail, right? Like, and I'm not throwing shade to my photo boothers because they're up there and I love them more than anything. But don't put all your money and book a, video, uh, a, foot, a photo booth before you start even like knowing what the date, what the guest list is, and how much you're spending on your event. I hope that kind of makes sense. Totally. Totally. Having a little bit of a structure and understanding the priorities of where to place things, I think, provides, uh, again, that peace of mind and knowing where you're going and, and what you're going to do. Yeah. Um, so elephant in the room is this year is obviously a bit of a toss up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you think just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm sure you have your hands full um, with everything going on, but would love to know how you are approaching weddings for the foreseeable future um, in light of COVID, what are you, what are you telling couples right now? Um, You know, how are people beginning to start to think about replanning a wedding? Yeah. So when COVID first hit, I was just kind of getting ready to kick off wedding season. You know, it started kind of end of January, February, started kind of getting hints and glimpses of what it was And we were starting our wedding season in March. And two weeks before the massive shutdown kind of hit, we were getting ready to like do all final details and pack up and leave for um, Coachella, California by Palm Springs and do a small 50-person wedding. And clients like, uh you know, we're starting to get this like COVID talk. What do you think? Everyone's coming in from New York and and, and we're just kind of like, oh, this is too new. I, I don't know. This is like a flu, but it's not, but I don't know what's happening. And, um, and then it hit and everything went off the rails and everything just went into immediate postponement. And the first wedding that we postponed was the one where we kind of learned all the kinks and what we were kind of looking at. 
And at first we were just looking at postponing March through April. And then now we're, you know, postponing May, June, July. Now it's kind of even a toss up for August and it, it just, it just continues. So it hasn't stopped. It's very hard when you are a planner and you love planning things when something throws the whole entire plan off off base. And so it we were just working so fast and quickly in the beginning that we were just trying to postpone, postpone, postpone. And so postponement, if no one knows, is basically we're taking the entire wedding, we're moving it to a future date. Something in my gut told me not to postpone within the same year. I I didn't feel good about it. And I've learned to listen to my intuition and my gut as I've progressed in my business. And thank God we didn't. I just, we don't know what the rest of the year is going to look like. It's it's kind of a toss up. So we've postponed everything to 2021. Um, as of right now, we still have clients though that are still planning and we still are looking and hopeful that the rest of 2020, the fall and maybe winter may happen. What I'm telling clients is something that never comes out of my mouth and it's very difficult for me because I always have an answer. And if I don't have an answer, I can immediately find one. I'm telling people to sit tight and hold on and let's take it one week out of time. And it's very difficult to do that. And as a client, I can only imagine, I can't even imagine like it, there's just so much uncertainty and, and what we just, we don't know. We just don't know. Um, you know, we don't get a lot of updates from local and state and federal governments, you know, of what kind of gatherings will be allowed. So that is very difficult. Um, so it, 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 there's a lot of uncertainty. So people that have gone into postponement, it's worked. It's beautiful. I'm so happy and like grateful of the community that I'm part of in this industry and how we've been able to put our bank accounts aside and help people just make something happen. Um, it's, you know, it's brought me to tears a lot because you know, a lot of us are, are, we're losing a lot of money. Our industry is hurting so incredibly bad, but we're putting our clients first and it's so important to do that. Um, there are clients that we are still planning with, you know, for 2021, we were already in 2021 weddings planning. And I feel like we got a really big jolt and some clients are very uneasy and rightly so. I've tried to take a positive approach to the situation. And while you're enjoying or maybe not enjoying full quarantine life, there are things that you can do that are like little annoying wedding tasks, like getting your guest list and all your addresses, um, you know, scouring the internet and just looking at inspiration um, you know, doing all your thank you notes and, and getting yourself ready, maybe starting a seating chart and things like that. So there's things that we can do while we are in this, you know, very weird state. Um, I feel like even with my weddings left in 2020, we should still stay hopeful and we should still keep trucking on. Um, it's, we need to keep that excitement. If we have to postpone, we're being realistic about it and then going into that phase of planning. But right now, the best thing we can do is try to keep a smile on our faces and, and stay realistic but hopeful.
Yeah, that's a great message. I think it's so important to, while things are certainly out of everybody's hands, you mm-hmm. know, the saving grace a little bit is that a lot of people are going through it. And, you know, there are resources out there for people to connect with one another. You know, I have a couple of friends getting married um, in the coming months, and one of them is talking about postponing, but she's optimistic about the idea of potentially keeping it, but is Mm -hmm. able to connect with, you know, another friend or employee about the same experience. They're able to have that shared community and connection that they're both going through it and it will be okay. You know, at the end of the day, we're all going to show up and be there to celebrate the couple and be able to put on the wedding. It's just a matter of time and and when we're able to all get there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, So let's pivot a little bit. Something that I'm always curious about and love to get to know the person a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'd love to talk about how you set yourself up personally for success. So whatever that means to you. Um, let's talk about what you do in the morning to set yourself up. Do you have a kind of a morning routine or any type of rituals that set you up for a good day? Yeah. So I usually wake up, make tea, and that's like our quiet time. So my boyfriend and I love having our tea together in the morning. We sit in the living room and just we're quiet. We don't even talk. It's just being there and just having that like time of no email, no client stuff. You're just kind of like getting fresh and getting ready for the day. Um, After that, I always make my bed. Like I, since I was a kid, I always make my bed. I can't leave my house until it's made. There have been, I can probably count on one hand, that I've not made my bed and I come home and I'm like actually depressed because my bed's not made and I will remake it just to get back into it. That's how like OCD I am about making my bed. So it's huge for me. Um, and then I just start sitting at my desk. We have a home office. Um, we're able to kind of close the door and let like home life be away. And then we sit in the office and it's work time. Um, and then we usually, you know, lunch or I do meetings and I'm out and about or do zoom meetings now, that kind of thing. Um, and then we usually stop working at a certain time. So that's usually between five and six 30. And then we either go out to dinner, which now does not exist right now for us. So we make a lot of dinner. Um, and then we unwind and we usually do a couple hours of TV watch our favorite shows. And then we're in bed between 930 and 1015. Like I'm grandma status. Um, But having that routine keeps me fresh. And I thrive on it. Um, When I'm not in a routine, I feel completely off. And I'm not productive. Totally, totally can relate to that. I need the consistency things to look forward to, you know, the washing of the face, the whole. Yeah. So I'm I'm with you on that. Um, How about some of your non-negotiables throughout the week? So what are things that make you feel like you can't let go of those, whether that's, you know, your yoga class or, you know, any type of 
meditation or workout or, or something for you that you can't let go of. And maybe it doesn't need to be on a weekly basis, but some things that you need to keep you steady. Yeah. Like my making of my bed is like a super hard non-negotiable and it sounds so weird to people, but like for me, it's a hard, like will not leave the house without it. I would actually rather not have a full face of makeup and, and make my bed. (laughs) Um, It's so weird. I know it's crazy. Post COVID life, getting outside and exercising has been a really big thing. My tea time in the morning has been a hard non-negotiable um, and not answering calls after six o'clock are a non-negotiable unless it's like an emergency. And like when COVID hit and we were, in, were living this pandemic life that has gone a little off the rails, but it's because we have to move so quickly. Um, but yeah, those are some of my non-negotiables. I, a couple years ago, I put in a little bit of a rule for me personally, the team still runs in December, but I do not. I need um, some time off to relax my brain and get myself excited to create again after a really extensive year. I love that. So important. Um, Great. Well, thank you so much for being with me today and and giving the time. Um, I know you have a lot on your plate. So really appreciate you giving me the last hour. Um, Tell us where everyone can find you, your social um, website, et cetera. Sure. So you can find us at www.psplans.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at at PS underscore plans. That's P-L-A-N-S as in Sam. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. That's it for today. Don't forget to follow along for more on Instagram at you might be a badass podcast and let me know your thoughts about today's show. And I'll see you again. Same time, same place next week.